Hi, listeners. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everyone left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief's hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with bereavement professionals. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofaro, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. What happens when the person you're super close with, so close, you could be almost the same organism, and this person suddenly and totally unexpectedly dies? How do you go from one day being in one world, the world where your person is alive and is cooking and gardening and calling your name down the hall, to another where this person no longer exists in their physical form? How does your brain and body and spirit even begin to make sense of that? Five years ago, Sarah was 23 doing what a lot of 23-year-olds do, working, hanging out with friends, starting life as a quote-unquote real adult, and living at home with her mom and dad. Then, on a totally average normal day in May, Sarah walked into the house she shared with her parents to find that her mom had had an aortic aneurysm. The paramedics arrived within moments, and her mom was rushed to the hospital, and later that night, her mom died. In shock and struggling to understand what had happened, the fact that her mom had actually died, Sarah returned to her life carrying a hole the size and the shape of her mother. Sarah, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Jana. I know as we talk today, we're going to be getting into what's it like to be 23 and suddenly grieving your mother, as well as all the different ways there are to cry, because listeners, there are many ways to cry. There's a connection maybe between grief and watering plants and a story as well about some frozen meat. But before we get into all of that... What's the memory of your mom that's been on your mind lately? Hmm. I've just been thinking about how much I would love to talk to her, trying to picture what it would be like if she could come into the house where I'm spending a lot of time now and just talk about different things that have, that I've been struggling with, I guess, and where I think that I could be, that I'm probably figuring it out, and I hope that I'm figuring it out, but how different it would feel if I could talk with her Um, and hear her take and then be totally sure that I was on the right path and sort of wondering again, like, oh, could I be doing something wrong? And maybe I don't know that I'm doing it wrong because I can't check in with her. Um, But sort of just in general, picturing what it would be like if we could actually talk. So you're you're going through all the things that many of us go through, right? Trying to figure out, am I doing this life thing the right way? And so you have a lot of uh, imaginings of what it would be like if you could be checking in with your mom about the decisions that you're making. Yeah, because what I definitely struggled with was um, because she died so suddenly. Like, I sort of felt like rather than just, I guess the way that I picture grief, it's sad and there's a huge hole. I felt like we were so connected that I pictured it being like if I was bombed and then the remains were blown out to space and then I, like, had just had no idea. It wasn't even that, like, I was away from the earth, but that I didn't even know where the pieces of me were. That's such a great image, When someone dies, you think about they've been taken out of our universe or out of our solar system. But in a sense, you also yourself got taken out of your own universe and you had to find the pieces of yourself again. Yeah. And like I went to school in Minnesota. I'm from Portland. When I was in Minnesota, I'd gone to Ghana for a semester. So I would like be, you know, very far away from her. And in like no matter what happened, usually I could call her even if I was far away or like, you know, I knew that she was there. And so I sort of had this sense that no matter what happens, 
things in general are okay because she's there. And then I sort of had to readjust that whole like floor beneath me that like things can't get that bad. That's gone. Things can just get really, really bad. And there's no like nothing holding me. Sort of like how do you be okay from within yourself, but then also, you know, building other tools, meeting other people that help provide that floor. But that was the thing that I struggled with was sort of feeling like I could just fall forever. Yeah, no more safety net. Yeah. You wrote a little bit about that there's so many different ways to cry. What are the different ways? I guess I had pictured just sort of normal crying, I guess, like that I was familiar with where you cry and, you know, you get a stuffy nose. And the ones that were more eye-opening to me were all the screaming crying kind of thing where like... Screaming crying? Or sort of like you're not trying to scream, but you're just wailing as you're crying. And so my throat would hurt after a while because I would be like... I don't know, loudly, vocally crying. Yeah, I didn't know that your throat could hurt after you cried. Yeah, and just getting really frustrated that you'd be crying and then you wouldn't be able to breathe because you'd be so snotty and, like, couldn't really stop it. So you'd be like, yeah, either my throat hurts, now I can't breathe, but I also can't stop crying. And where, like, you're crying so intensely that you get distracted by the act of crying. Like it almost snaps you out of the emotions. Yeah, because it's like, oh, now I can't even continue crying because I can't (laughs) breathe. It seems very non-cognitive to me if I've ever had that bellowing cry. The Mm -hmm. brain is not involved anymore at this point. Totally, totally. Have you ever had the silent cry? Probably. I've definitely also had lots of silent tearing up. Yeah, just constant crying. And I remember like sort of taking pride in all the different public places I had cried. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because she died from a heart thing. That summer, I had to get a bunch of different tests done. I'd be going to Kaiser, and then they'd be like, oh, your insurance isn't showing up. And I'd have to be like, yeah, because it got transferred to my dad because my mom died. And then I'd break down. And so I'd just be like walking through the hospital crying, (laughs) like in the library crying. Speaking of hospitals and medical settings, so you went that night to the hospital with your mom. You've talked a little bit about how those memories are really clear of that night, of seeing her, what she looked like, the sounds, the smells. And a lot of people seem like those memories are ones they wish they could just eradicate. They don't want to have them. But you've said that you value having such clear memories. Yeah, I think in part because she didn't, she died so suddenly, and so I didn't have to see her. Like, I don't have memories of her slowly corroding over a couple months. It was just instantaneous. I just, yeah, I struggled so much with processing that it had actually happened. Both those memories, like, reminded me that it had happened. And they also made, they were just part of her and, like, they happened to be the last memories of her proof that she existed, I guess. Because otherwise it would have made it so that she just totally suddenly disappeared and had been there and then wasn't there. I don't know, part of my reality and her reality, and also just like a reminder that something had happened. Because I think also like I struggled because I got so depressed over time, realizing that this was a forever thing. Seems like the those images are almost served as a bridge for you between the first world where your mom was alive in the second world where she wasn't. Exactly, exactly. Like a bridge and reminding reminding myself like when I would wake up, oh, I'm depressed, things are awful. Having a reminder like, oh yeah, something actually happened that makes you this sad. Like it's not just that you've gone off the, the rails or whatever. This is a real thing. You know, I feel bad because this is how much she meant to me. You know, I was just really destroyed for about three years, three and a half. That's how great she was. She was worth me being destroyed for that long. Almost reassuring. Like I feel this terrible because my mom was super awesome. Totally, totally. Like, took me that long to, like, readjust to not having her there. 
speaking of over time, tell us a little bit about what it was like that first year. And then as it moved into the second year, like how did grief change for you or your understanding of grief change? I definitely dove in to grieving. She raised me to be very open about how I feel. And also I learned, I don't know, from her or from other people, but just to, to write down everything. was just constantly writing down every single thought, both about grief and about her. I remember feeling I was good at grieving um, and just a model griever. In the moment that summer, I like had off from work conveniently so I could pretty much just sleep and grieve and process and like document stuff. I mean, it was awful, but comparatively, it was pretty like I was pretty lucky to have the time to grieve. And then like a year later, the second summer, everyone else has gone back to normal. I don't have a, the spotlight. Oh, Sarah is grieving and let's give her a little more attention. Um, and then being like, oh, we can't go back to normal. Like this is forever. And that was the thing that I struggled with the most. Like I would forget that it wasn't this awful thing that then we were going to go back to before. You weren't going to get to take a final yeah, yeah, and to like prove that year, we could do end it. End the year of grief and graduate to exactly, something else. Exactly, and then graduate to her being, coming back now. So yeah, so a year. I feel like if I had stayed in Portland, I would have at that point gotten a therapist because I, I didn't feel like I needed it the first year because I was just so talking and writing and just was in touch with everything. And then I, yeah, just something went wrong <laughs> a year later. But then I just decided I need to go really, really far away. And so I moved to Palestine and just went and worked as a photojournalist. And just that was my way of getting as far away from everything as possible. In that year in Palestine, what else did you end up turning to for support and comfort since the things you had been doing that first year weren't as available in that moment? I think meeting people and just having like a bigger purpose and a bigger thing that I could focus on was really good. Um, and I definitely still needed to process a lot, both of her death, but then also like I just felt like I lost, sort of felt like it was like a secondary grief. At one point it became not about missing her, but I felt so lost from myself. I feel like the second half of my like general year long or multiple year long grief process was just finding myself again. So Palestine served one big focus that I could focus on. And then through that, sort of realizing like, oh, I'm going to focus on art, sort of finding a thing that I felt was going to be, I don't know, for lack of a better word, my thing or like what I was going to be doing and figuring out who I was. Where like before I'd felt like, oh, like I'm never going to know who I am or like if I'm, you know, if I get on the wrong path of who I am because mom can't be there being like, that's right, that's wrong. Not that that's actually like how she helped me at all. How about the plants? How did those play out? In your grief. She was a huge gardener and had a, a huge garden outside that she loved um, and also had a bunch of houseplants inside. I just remember pretty soon after she died being aware that some of the plants were dying and just having this internal resentment of, I want to keep them alive because if I don't keep them alive, um, then, you know, I'm a failure and, like, I failed her and, you know, let her plants die. But also, like, me going to water them is proof that she's dead and she's not here. And I still don't want to admit that that she's not here. So I also don't want to water the plants because that's also me being a failure because she died. <laughs> um, and so it was just this like awful contradiction. And in general, the plants are okay. <laughs> Serious inner conflict though, about taking on something that your mom did and like feeling resentful that you have to do that, but also wanting to do that in honor of her. Totally. I also had trouble, like, cooking recipes that we had done. I'd be like, oh, I, like, I want to do this and I want to remember, but then as soon as I'd do it, it would just be really awful and I'd break down crying. And so sort of a, 
struggle between wanting to do things that represented her and that reminded me of her, but also totally not wanting to think about that at all. I remember when I was in Palestine, I think, realizing, like, because she was into, like, a bunch of different kinds of therapies and dreams and, like, Jungian Buddhism kind of stuff, and just had books and books and books of her own magic-type things. One of the things that I wish I could have talked to her more about was just all the different things that she believed, and sort of thinking, like, if I don't know, because it's, you know, it'd be easier to just talk to her in person, I could dedicate my life to reading, like, hundreds of books and trying to figure out what she concluded, that would be like a whole lifelong process and maybe that's too much work. It's either that or forget about all of it and don't think about it. With time, I realized it's not all or nothing. Yeah. But like I definitely struggled with that. Try to cut everything off or I don't know, seeing any in between, I guess, of like just thinking only about her and trying to figure out her everything versus just not thinking about it at all. Yeah. So in the midst of that devastating heartbreak, it's so easy to fall into the all or nothing. Does the frozen meat count with the all or nothing? Hmm. Yeah, the frozen meat was realizing, I think about a year or six months ago, because me and my dad still have most of her stuff around the house and, like, haven't really gotten rid of clothing or anything. But the meat was just realizing, like, we have a freezer and it was pretty much full of those brown paper packs of frozen meat. Mm -hmm. And then going through it and real like, I was pretty aware that mom was the only one, either me or my dad, buy frozen meat or meat and put it in the freezer so just realizing like huh this is all like stuff that she bought and it's just taking up space in the freezer it's probably pretty rotten going through like power outages every once in a while like probably hasn't been frozen all that time so you know thinking about like oh she put these in there because she was planning a meal because she liked to cook so much it's throwing away sort of the memory that she was planning to live on I guess like she wasn't planning to die she was she was thinking about a future and so it's throwing away that potential idea of that future that could have happened the reality is that it's pretty much just trash taking up space and so also moving on to make way for my own future and my dad's future again not that we like have a lot of stuff to put in the freezer but still just like putting away that block that's there holding space have yeah, how how much items can get imbued with so much symbolism for what they represent totally like totally. here's your mom going to the grocery store thinking ahead planning meals doing the things that she did to care for you and your dad as a family and what does it mean to get rid of those yeah yeah I definitely struggled with finding a balance between holding on to her and holding on to the memories and moving forward um and like remember a week I just remember like sitting in bed crying and thinking to myself it's hard for me to move forward because I'm the one that's holding on to these memories sort of like I'm trying to be not like a human computer but like a human catalog of all these memories and like that's a role I'm busy holding on to her and then sort of my own contradiction of I want to be doing that but also becoming um, cognizant that that's prohibiting me from also moving forward yeah as you figure out how to also move forward and hold on like eventually that becomes a healthier balance that helps you just go on for longer, I guess. <laughs> Again, that moving from that all or nothing to room for both. Totally. Both of your parents had a parent die when they were young. Your dad was a young adult and your mom was only 11. How did their grief play out in their parenting or in the way that they raised you? Yeah, that's a good question. My Yeah, so my dad was 23 when he lost his mom and my mom was 11. Um, and I remember her saying... I wonder, like, if she could hear me saying this, she'd be like, no, no, that's not how I said it, because <laughs> she was raised Christian. And then when I was really little, she said something like, 
Like I never bought the whole Jesus resurrection thing. Like, I was skeptical of Christianity and then my mom died when I was 11 and I was like, God isn't real, like that proves it. I don't really know how it played out in the parenting, I guess, because I don't really have another comparison, but that's definitely one of the things that I wish I could talk to her about. I'm sure that that informed her life and who she became. Like, I think that was one of the big things that she struggled with and thought about a lot. One of the sad things is, like, because I was only 23 and she still, like, I was trying to be more of a peer at times, but she definitely still was keeping a lot from me, still in the mom role. So I wish we had gotten to talk about how did you cope with death and how did you use it to inform who you are. And like on the one hand, it's it was definitely helpful having her as a model, being like, oh, she lost her mom when she was 11 and she was this phenomenal human mm. that I want to become. So there's hope for Yeah, me. there's hope, exactly. Like it's not just that I'm doomed to like fail as a human and like, I don't know, go on the wrong path forever. And one of the funny things was I had heard that she would help out with other people's grief. She randomly went to some party that I think was some of dad's like worker photo people and randomly met this guy who happened to, his mom had had happened to die recently and he was probably, I don't know, an adult, Um, but he was really struggling. And mom had this like magical power sort of where she would attract like a magnet people who needed help. And he told us that conversation with your mom was the most helpful thing that anyone could have ever done to me. So I like, I wish, and I've been meaning to reach out to this guy and be like, what did she say? Um, So yeah, so I don't know exactly how it affected their, yeah, it it definitely affected her. And I think I can sort of see that, especially as I get older, like how she embraced life and how she was Mm -hmm. so thrilled to be there, even though she knew how awful things were, but she just, just was a very happy, open, like light person. And I think that that comes from knowing I don't know, pain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I wish I could like talk to her more concretely about it. It's such a bummer that the one person you want to talk to about how to be grieving is the person who died. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, I never thought to talk to her about that because I didn't realize grief was like such a big thing. Um, And your dad was the exact same age you were when your mom died. You're both 23. Yeah. Um, And he had just said like he had sort of had it in his head that it was a possibility and because him because mom had also had other they'd been monitoring her heart like at the time she died they she had just gone in for an appointment about a month earlier and they were like you look great like maybe in five to ten years we'll think about some sort of surgery um so it wasn't expected but it also like they knew that she'd had heart stuff before she'd had open heart surgery when I was in high school it was sort of vaguely on his radar I guess like that he'd pictured I don't know, like, I guess raising me, like, oh, she might lose her mom. But yeah, me and dad didn't talk that much Mm. about it. It was a big struggle because, like, me and, not struggle, but just challenge, I guess, because me and mom talked about everything and didn't even really need words. And so he would be hard for him to join the conversation because we'd sort of just be going a mile a minute without, I don't know, in, like, our own language. Um, like there wasn't really room for him sometimes in that. Yeah. Era. And so we like tried to like open up, like it wasn't trying to disclude. It was just like, we were so close. And so I think it's also been a process of like me and dad, like creating a new relationship for sure. I think now I very much want to talk to him more about it, but like at the time it was just so painful. Both, yeah, like we weren't used to talking in that capacity at all. And then it was so painful. And I think part of it too, was it just made it more real It was sort of easier for both of us to just keep going, like, sort of pretending. 
I mean, it, we de it, definitely not that things were normal, but just like not totally acknowledging it. Whereas like sitting down and talking about it, I feel would have just been like this endless ocean of pain. <laughs> I feel like would have just been like hard to come back from. It seems um, like that can be one of the more confusing elements of grief for folks around. You think that someone in your life dies and you'll probably reach out to the people who are in your family or closest to you. And oftentimes when you're with them, that really highlights the absence of the person who died. Totally, totally. Sarah, as we get close to the end of our time together today, you wrote something uh, about how you, you call the day that your mom died her death birth. And that stood out to me because so many people seem to struggle with like, well, what do I actually call this day? This like really monumental, painful, heartbreaking day. What's it like for you to think about her being maybe born into a different way of being? Yeah. And I've definitely also struggled with the word, I think, like sometimes I'll say death anniversary. I think I like it because I picture her. She was so, so open and helped so many people and was sort of just there, like was this huge spirit sort of helping everybody in a way while I totally choose to have her here on earth again in a heartbeat. In some ways, I felt like it made sense to picture her sort of just being able to be everywhere at a time. I picture her exploring the world of death, being really excited to see what's there and sort of like walking around, exploring what you can do when you're dead. I wouldn't like bet money on what happens when you die or anything, <laughs> but like I just picture her like the way that I felt her so intensely then and like the way that I picture that evolving also over time, like like, especially as I've, as she can be like, oh, Sarah's doing okay. Sarah's not <laughs> in crisis mode. I can, like, move on more broadly or whatever. It's just sort of, I don't know, I definitely picture her still being somewhere in some capacity and, like, having a new realm to explore. Like, it didn't feel, I guess, like her, she just ended and we're celebrating the end of mom. And so that was the way to picture that, I guess. Well, thank you for adding another option for <laughs> listeners and everyone else who's always trying to figure out what do I actually call this day of marking that anniversary. Thank you, Sarah, for coming in today and talking about your mom and sharing about what it's like to grieve and some of the things that helped you. And Thanks so much for having me, Jana. And listeners out there, thanks for tuning in today. If you are new to Grief Out Loud, you can find all of our past episodes on our website, dougy.org, or Stitcher, Apple Podcast, any other way you're finding your podcasts. If you have an idea for a topic or uh, someone that you think might be a great guest for the podcast, please reach out. Our email is help at dougie.org. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks for listening.